going on? It is Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. I'm Jamie Dodd. Bit Nazar here with me. Drance are still on assignment up in Penticton for the Young Stars. Uh, very special day here because we are live from the Jake Milford Charity Invitational at Norfolk Golf and Country Club. Uh, of course, massive event for the Canucks every year, really kind of getting the season kicked off before training camp. And we're going to be speaking to a few players throughout the course of the day, and we're going to get right into it today because we are joined now tableside uh, by Canucks forward Connor Garland. Connor, thanks for doing this. How are you? Good. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Uh, how was your summer? Uh, good. Good. I had uh, I got married in August. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And uh, my best friend, uh, got married the weekend before so we were in each other's weddings and uh, uh it was ryan donato plays for the blackhawks so we had a busy weekend our weddings were about uh, 40 minutes apart direction wise he went down to the cape i stayed in my backyard so we had uh, we had a good time enjoyed it and, uh, it's probably the highlight of my summer i mean it's hard to top that yeah. Yeah. absolutely <laughs> uh, but that transition you know it's it's it's, it's tough you know, hey, personal stuff and get ready for the uh season right away uh what's that transition been like uh from summer into getting ready for uh, this upcoming season yeah the, the transition was uh we just didn't have a honeymoon right we had it august 5th was the wedding um so we had it on a saturday uh i know huggy huggy came in uh and then we we, we talked the next day like uh, we enjoy our sunday uh and then we're back to training on monday so it was like uh, right back into the the real world so we just had a wedding saturday and then Nothing changes. Skating, skating Monday, working on Monday. So, because uh, you're right, it's it's towards the end of the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for us, it was uh, it was a pretty relaxed wedding. I know, like by 11, we were just sitting in my movie theater watching the Jake Paul and Nate Diaz fight. Uh, so right. that was it was a simple wedding, and we were back at it on Monday. That sounds perfect. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's it was, fantastic. It was nice. It do, was nice. Do, you have a, do you have a honeymoon promised for for next summer or anything no, like that? No, late June, early July. Yeah, yeah. No, she planning she, for that. We're not big travelers. Uh, she came to the World Championships, so that was a big travel day for us. Uh, uh, we toured Finland, uh, and then we went to Germany for a day, and you know we did we did some stuff there right early early May. So uh, it was nice to have that, and I don't think we'll do any honeymoons. So this is uh, going to be your third season here with the Canucks, and I think it's fair to say you've seen a lot in the first two years. A lot has happened, coaching changes, all of that. How does it feel this year coming in, skating with the guys, compared to your first two seasons with the Canucks? Yeah, well, everybody's the I would say the focus. Uh, of the group, the collective group is at a, uh, at an all-time high, and I think I said the other day, just uh, you know we've had playoff aspirations every year, but we we didn't act on it, and um, you know just that that means just training camp. You know we we didn't we didn't you know I'm not saying didn't go through our systems, but we we, we weren't dialed in on it. You could see it in our first couple games. We were we were a step behind the Oilers in the first game. Uh, you know, step behind the Capitals in the next game, and then you know you play the good teams out the gate, and they were to step ahead of us, and that's why we started so poorly the first two years. So I feel this year you can feel the heightened intensity in the scrimmages even now we're having, uh, the drills we're having, and uh, I think our leadership group has done a great job getting everybody in, and uh, we understand um, you know how important the start is. But I like what Talk actually just said, you know, up there an hour ago was that the the first the season isn't the first twelve games. You know, we'll get. Of games, but it's an 82-game season, but we definitely got to start on the right step. What does that look like when you say, hey, we weren't dialed in, and comparing it to what you feel like now? Like, how do you recognize what it looks like when it's it's not dialed in, and how do you try to correct it? Yeah, it's, it's not it's not like yeah, we're, you know, uh, screwing around. I'm not going to no, say it, that. But, but I, I, I do I, think it's hard to notice yeah. sometimes in, in the moment, because yeah. I, I screw up, too. For sure, for it's sure. It's hard to realize. Yeah, it's just, it's you, you can feel it, right? You can feel it in the scrimmages. Um, you know, I just feel like the veterans push the pace, and sometimes, right. you know, you take training camp as, uh, 
a given. You know, the season's going to start. We've got to get through training camp. Or I think this year it's more of a, we, you know, we got to push ourselves and we got to get ready for the season. And when that first game hits, we can't we can't be like we were last year where, you know, we almost, you know, ran out of steam in the third and the Oilers came back. And then right. you're chasing chasing almost the rest of the year down, oh, you know, 0-6, mm-hmm. right? Where games we should have won a couple. Um, so I just think... You know, we're learning from our past experiences, and that's what you do. You either win or you learn. So uh, I think uh, I just feel this year there's a heightened heightened intensity around our team, which, um, you know, not not saying it just to say it, but it, it's it's the truth. You know, you mentioned the leadership group getting everyone organized and getting everyone into gear at these skates. And obviously, Quinn Hughes officially named captain and also as part of that, uh, you know, the organization really tabbed Elias Pettersson and JT Miller and Thatcher Demko as part of the leadership group as well. And, you know, obviously, all of those players have been leaders before. They didn't need that official designation to start being leaders. But does it feel different now with, okay, you know, Quinn Hughes, he's not a young player anymore. He's the captain of the team. Elias Pettersson, you know, not necessarily a young player. He's officially part of the leadership group does it feel different now to have those guys really step in officially to the roles as the leaders of the team uh, i don't i don't think it, it changes a whole lot obviously you know getting a captaincy is something um that's quite the privilege and that's something huggy deserved and, and earned and uh, but he's been a leader since i've gotten here i think he's gotten better vocally uh, maybe trusting himself and being a leader, but you know I'm pretty close with him, and I've seen just the growth in, in everything on ice, off ice, uh, his diet. You know he's so focused over the summer. We, you know we keep in constant contact in his training, and you know he views a Tuesday practice in July as the same as a you know a game in the like in the in the regular season. He's that he's that focused and that competitive all year. So it's great to have him as our leader. And uh, same with Milsey and Pedic. Milsey obviously is going to be a huge part of that. Yeah. Like he's a he's a vocal player in our locker room. Um, and uh, I don't think anything will change just because the letters are there. But uh, you know, I, I, I think Huggy was a, a great choice, and he's uh, he's he's gonna. I think he's gonna do a lot of good things in this league, and I'm, I'm happy for him to, to to get the C. We were just talking to Ian, uh, one of the newest members of the team, and, and we we're just saying, hey, something that you've picked up on some of the new guys. He mentioned you specifically. He's like, hey, I'm such a fan of uh, Connor's game. So, what have you seen in some of the new guys that are, are going to attribute well to the group? Yeah, well, especially him and him, uh, Susie uh, Hironic, guys that uh, as a, as a winger uh, that plays in the corners and plays near the net front, uh, you you battle with hard. I would say hard defensemen is something I would char- characterize those guys as, and uh, you have battles with them every time you play them. Like Seuss is probably one of the guys I hated the most in the league, and <laughs> you know the first day, like, like it was just a laugh when I saw him. And it, uh, but they're they're all great guys, but you see how talented they are. Plus, you've always been in the division with them, right? Yes, been, always. Yeah. And I played Seuss when uh, Minnesota and Arizona. We yeah. were in the uh, the bubble years. I right. Eight times. Right. I think he took a suspension on me too that year. <laughs> um, so, the, but Phil's the same way. Phil's an intense player. Their intensity is awesome for our group, um, and just the way they play and how hard they play and, and that winning hockey. You know, they've all like Seuss was in the playoffs last year. You know, Phil's uh, Phil's been uh, a great player, and then Ian's obviously won two cups. So it's it adds a lot to our team. I thought you played some of your best hockey down the stretch after Rick Tockett uh, took over last year. Is there something about your game that you think makes you a good fit for how he wants to play and the style he wants the team to, to play? Yeah, I think I've played my best hockey in my career probably my last year in Arizona and then maybe my first 20 games here. 
uh, in Vancouver, and the systems are pretty similar with Rick and Greener. Um, and there's a lot of structure, and uh, there's a lot of knowing what your role is. And I think with Rick, that's a huge thing for me is I understand what he's looking for, and it's uh, it's nice to go out there every night knowing, you know, this is what I need to do to help our team win. And uh, that's that's play fast, that's play hard, that's be around the net because we're a team that, you know, we, we get a lot of pucks to the net and uh, we attack. And, if four checks a big part of Rick's system as well. So, uh, but his his personality and he's he's a player's coach, but he's so intense. And anytime you need help with something on and off the ice, he's a guy you can really go to. So, um, I credit a lot of my success in the league uh, to him. Work with me from you know my first game in the league to, to now. So uh, I'm 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 very appreciative he's back, and I, I think you know we're gonna do a lot of good things with him this year. Connor, really appreciate the time. Uh, have a great time on the course today. We'll talk soon. Thank you, guys. Pleasure. That is Canucks forward Connor Garland joining us here tableside uh, at the Jake Milford Canucks Charity Invitational here at Northview Golf and Country Club in Surrey and kicking the show off with a chat with Connor Garland and uh, yeah the uh, the text the text message inbox 650 650 to Dunbar Lumber text line enjoyed the tidbit that he was watching UFC with his wife it's awesome <laughs> by 11 o'clock on the wedding night that's that's, a- that's when you know you found the right match. When you're both on the same page and you're like, you know what we're doing after we get married? This. This is what we're doing. Great post-wedding activity. Forget, like, the midnight snack. Just 11 o'clock UFC. <laughs> That's what we're rolling out. That's tremendous. I loved uh, I loved Garland there talking to about, uh, you know, all the all the battles he's had with Carson Susie And finally, you know, getting, always so finally getting away from that. It's like, okay, he's on my side now. Thank it's goodness. Al- it's always so funny because when we think it's like, oh, the toughest guy to play is like Pronger and Hedman. And of course. But some guys just have certain matchups. Yeah. That's like, hey. I don't always play against those guys. My reality is sometimes I'm always against Carson Susie, and this guy just punishes me. And now here's this opportunity to finally play with them. And uh, I wish we could have sh- shown everyone the, the smile. He's like, oh, yeah, pretty sure he got a suspension on me too. Like, now he's on my side. Now he's on my side. You can just see the enthusiasm of, hey, this is kind of cool that this guy, and, and he mentioned the hard players to play against. And, look, it, it's a trait that they've gone out and coveted. And three fresh D-men. Because I'm adding Veronica in this. Yeah. I know we saw a four-game cameo. But that, that's hardly... In a, essence, he's yes. a, a, new, a completely new addition to the and, team. And, you know, we, we've sat here for a long time and, and said, hey, they really need to refresh the defense. Refresh their defense. Well, a lot of it has changed over here. Yep. And throw in the the success that Queen Hughes has, and you start to see, okay, there's... It, it's, it's taken a bit of time, and there still might be another... One more evolution to go. But you, you recognize that some changes have been made, and I think there's a, an element that guys are pretty excited about what it might look like here. Uh, 650-650, as I mentioned, is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Didn't even have a chance to uh, to hit my reads here off the top of the show because we were joined by Connor Garland right off the top. But uh, Canucks Talk is brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the work site. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. Uh, we're live from the mobile Kintec studio here, Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. And uh, we are now very pleased to be joined uh, tableside by another member of the Canucks defenseman, Jack Rathbone. Jack, thanks for doing this. How are you? Good. Good. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing very well. Thanks for, thanks for making uh, uh, some time for us today here on the golf course. Uh, how was your summer? It's great. Yeah, it was good. Uh, always did to get home. Um, family wasn't able to make it out much last year, so always did to get home, see them, and um, 
to take a little time off. The, the phrase we heard a lot from uh, Rick Tockett last year was big summer. And we've been having some fun with that term. I had a big summer. I, I put on a lot of pounds. Uh, <laughs> what What's a big summer look like for the players and for you in particular? <laughs> I think it's, uh, I mean, I think it's just putting yourself in a, in a uh, position to go have a good camp. Um, I think right around now is when you kind of, you're, you're a little bit of sick, sick of the gym. Um, yeah. <laughs> kind of what uh, Talk was saying there when he spoke upstairs, which is these last two, three weeks, I think guys are just getting ready to play. Um, getting ready to get some games going with, with everything starting up Sunday. You, you've been to uh, a number of NHL training camps now. How do you think your mentality and your approach has changed coming in, getting ready for this training camp versus previous seasons? Uh, I think it's, I think every year just with the experience, you get a little bit more confident. Um, obviously, your first one, I think a few years back, I think you're just, you're new, you don't know many guys. Um, I think now it's a little bit more of a comfortable situation in that you know the guys. Um, I was able to have a little bit of time with the staff here last year. Um, seems like a great group, really exciting group going into the year. Do you have set goals for what you want to accomplish in training camp, the season, first half month of the year? Yeah, I think um, I think the obvious, just try and put yourself in a position where it gives them a tough decision to make coming out of camp. Um, trying to uh, obviously make the big club and then um, kind of, I, I don't think... I don't think I have too many goals outside of that right now. Um, kind of looking short term, um, but it's uh, it's going to be an exciting two weeks. Like everyone said, I think it's uh, time to get some some hockey going and get these exhibition games going. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about Rick Tockett taking over as head coach, and this will be his first training camp. But of course, also joining the staff with Tockett, Sergey Gonchar, and Adam Foot. And for you as a defenseman, what does it mean to have the opportunity coming up at training camp to work with those two players who, of course, had incredible NHL careers on the blue line? Yeah, it's huge. Um, I think uh, you, you don't. You don't talk much. You do a lot of listening. Um, I think you know it's uh, it's a cool environment to be around guys like that that played so long, um, that were uh, had such successful careers, and um, I think uh, the, the short time that I was able to be with them um, hopefully made use of it. When you see the the change in the the entire decor, right? we we're just talking about there's three new faces with Hronik and, and Susie and Cole, and how do you feel like? their skill sets also set up to yours as well because it feels like there's more quote-unquote stay-at-home guys now yeah yeah i mean um i think i obviously was trying to take some steps in uh in my own game on on that side of the puck last year and uh but obviously i'd say a little bit more of a more of a puck moving defenseman so um they all seem like great guys met them a little bit just since we've been in here uh early and obviously they're great players so um adding them to the fold is is only positive so it's been uh been great knowing uh, getting an all. I know he's been up in uh, Penticton with the Young Stars. Be excited to have Aiden McDonough yeah. in camp. I know you guys go back uh, a long ways. That's going to be exciting, huh? Yeah, yeah. He's uh, obviously a great guy, really good friend. Um, really exciting. Um, his uh, his little uh, I don't know how many games. I think it was like five to ten yeah. games he got last year. So um, pretty cool seeing him uh, in the same NHL jersey and. Um, Obviously, wishing him luck there, and hopefully uh, in his first camp. Have you guys had a chance to reflect on how weird that was that you both yeah. were on the ice for his goal? Because it's it's honestly like two guys from same area, same team. It's it, it's no, it's it's, it's crazy. crazy. Like the odds of it happening. Um, I think in the moment, obviously, you, you don't really think about it. You're yeah. so um, uh, just excited for him. Um, yeah. I think uh, once once the summer went on, and I was able to talk to some guys being home. Um, Especially some guy like I got some texts from guys that 
just pros in the area in Boston that um, we train with that shot me a text just being like you'll something you'll tell your kids about one day like that that kind of thing so it's uh obviously really cool looking back on it we got some good pictures from it so um try and get those framed hey jack appreciate the time have fun on the course today and best of luck at training camp awesome. coming up thank you guys that is canucks defenseman jack rathbone joining us here uh, as he gets back onto the course of the Jake Milford Charity Invitational here. It is Canucks Talk, Sportsnet 650. And, you know, I'm glad we got a chance to chat with Jack Rathbone because, of course, I think one of the obvious training camp battles, roster spot battles going into training camp is that that final spot on the blue line, right? And specifically, you know, if you draw it up, you're thinking maybe Tyler Myers is holding down the right side of the third pairing and who's going to be with him on the left side. And, you know, we look at Akita Hirose, Christian Rolanin, maybe uh, Guillaume Brisebois as candidates. But, you know, Jack Rathbone, I mean, this is a guy who's played NHL games in each of the last three seasons. And, yeah, he hasn't been able to stick, but he's also been very productive at the AHL level. I think because of, you know, the way the organization has brought in new players and maybe it feels like some other guys have leapt over him on the depth chart. But I think if you think of talent and what you mentioned, you know, his puck-moving ability Mm -hmm. and how much of an emphasis you would think that's going to be for the team, he's got every opportunity, as he said, to at least make it a tough decision with a good performance at training camp, if not trying to find a way to actually break camp with the team. Put your best foot forward and see what you can accomplish. And health is also a big deal as well he's he's battled some some health issues and and now hopefully getting ready to come into this camp uh fully uh healthy and try to make it a tough decision and it's going to be interesting you mentioned hey that's a camp battle and look it's it's four or five deep there of guys who are oh yeah for that spot well laying in herose breezeball win wrath throw in throw in in there that's that's an interesting camp battle and they're going out for one spot, two spots maybe, depending on how demon they, they wind up keeping. But that's a fascinating camp battle on top of the one that's, I think, taken a lot of the headlines of, like, hey, where to put Colson and, and Hoaglander mm. coming against some of the other wingers here. But this is an important one because you're, you're going to be playing some regular minutes on the back end. And is it a situation as guys ebb and flow in their production? Do, do new guys come into the lineup and say, hey, we always want to run with someone that's hot in the spot? It is Canucks Talk here, Sportsnet 650, again, live from the Jake Milford Charity Invitational. Uh, We will be joined by more Canucks players throughout the course of the show. Look forward to uh, catching up with as many as we can. Uh, Marcus and Gibsons wants to know, can you ask how much has the coaching staff stressed the start of the season? Is it being billed as playoff-level stakes? Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, I think, look, we don't know what the score is. Well, we'll we'll air it later, but we spoke to Ian Cole beforehand. Uh, and Ian Cole even mentioned the start and that he's like, hey, I've picked up that it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> so yes and no, I would say. Here's the thing. Is, is you can't make it bigger than it's it is. It's this fascinating double-edged sword because 100%. you don't want to pretend it's not a thing. Of course it's a thing. But you don't want to get obsessed over it and let it distract you from the basic preparation you need to do. And then, you know, and this is something that Ian Cole mentioned as well, but, like, if you lose the first game, like, oh, no, it's happening. You know what I mean? You you want to acknowledge the importance of the start, but not let it completely knock you off your rhythm either. And also, let's just say, because one thing is important, too, is maintaining mental stability even when success comes. So let's say they go 8-4 and in the opening 12. And you're like, oh, all right, we got over the start. We're okay. 
well, if you lose the next six, yeah. it suddenly doesn't matter. You think, hey, we accomplished this big feat. The start of the season is not the Everest that this team has to overcome. It's part of the process of the whole 82-game season, but we've just seen in this market that 10 games in, your season can be over. And this is just going to be the opening hurdle that they have to cross. And to be honest, it's really more like a speed bump. It's something that you should be able to survive. That an NHL team can't get through the 10 first, first 10 games and say, you know what, what are the next 70 going to look like? Yeah. That's a small hurdle to cross. But it's something that right now to rebuild the program and install certain standards that have to appear. I know we keep using that word, but we, we have to use that word because we're in score one. When you're in score three, you don't have to worry about, oh, standards, because it's assumed and it's accepted by everyone. Players don't have to say it. Coaches don't have to say it. Media doesn't have to say it. Fans don't have to say it. Everyone just wears it's what's supposed to happen. Well, and I think, you know, if you are, like, let's say you're in Colorado. You're, you're with the Avalanche this year. You don't have to worry about the start because, one, because it hasn't been bugging you. But also, like, yeah, we're the avalanche. We're, we're going to be fine. Yeah. You know, even if we're 500 through the first 10 games, it's like, well, whatever. We're fine. We're good. Do you, think you know what routinely? I mean? And we know we have that. Like, do you honestly think routinely there's a conversation in the Avs locker room and they turn around and be like, hey, guys, standards? No, of course <laughs> not because they've accomplished it. And now it's just part of their habit. Sorry, I'm using I don't know. Password. Nathan McKinnon might be like okay, reminding maybe. them a little bit. He maybe like, like once a he month. He seems like that kind of guy. Maybe once a month. We did, I, I, I doubt that it's a routine thing and that it's such a cause for concern. But when you're rebuilding the program, like these are the things they should focus on. focus on. You can't just jump ahead. And right now they're in a stage of we have to have success in the start of the season. And at least get through it that we're still in the mix. If they're 500, that's like, okay. It's it's a step from what we've seen these last couple of years. I would like it to be higher, but yeah. at least it's a step. You can't go broke making a profit. A profit, and right now this team just has to take that step that they're making that profit. Yeah, and again, I think it's one of those things where you can't you can't pretend it's not a thing, yeah. right? And you know, we, meet pressure heard, with pressure. Meet the start with a good start. Well, we've heard Rick Tocchet talk about it a little bit, and I think you're not going to relieve pressure by pretending it doesn't exist. Yeah. That's just like, of course, yeah, there is pressure. There's pressure to get off to a good start. And that's, that's partly because of the market. That's because of the history of the team, the expectations, all of those things. You can't pretend it doesn't exist. So how do you respond to it? And we've heard, you know, as you say, meet pressure with me, with pressure, with your preparation. That's another way. So whatever it is, you can acknowledge it, but you have to find a way not to let it impact you, and you can't let that pressure weigh you down to the point where it's pushing you off your game uh, going into the season. Avoidance of the topic is not going to solve anything. No. Right? No. It, it's, it's not going to solve anything. And so All right, golfers, you have to be prepared and understand what your successes look like and how you're going to accomplish those. And oh, we'll like, that's why we come back to preparation. Yeah, like the moments in your life when you've been nervous, going to do a job interview, whatever. If you're prepared, suddenly everything's a lot easier, and that's something that's going to be a focus. And look, it's early; we have to see it how it translates on the ice. But again, it's a checked box. I've, I've used this phrase over and over again. It's a checked box that they came up here early. It's not going to be the thing that we just look back and say, "Hey, that's that's why they're having success." But you have to stack these things all up, and you want to look back at the end of training camp, at the end of preseason, getting ready for October 11th, and say, "Hey, we did all of these things." Whereas it certainly sounded like, you know, Connor Garland was joining. Certainly sounded like last year those boxes weren't checked. Yeah. Uh, speaking of preparation, you are woefully underprepared today. I screwed up. It is a windy, a blustery 
day. I know it's not quite officially fall, but it is a blustery fall day. Everyone's yeah. out here in their fleeces and their, you know, their puffy vests and everything, and you just rolled up T-shirt, bare arms, not even a hat. Nope. And no with hat. your head, there's a lot of heat escaping. No, no. no hair what? coverage even to keep the heat in you whatsoever. You my preparation. You don't need to go after my uh Well, I'm just saying, that's part of it. It's like, you know, everyone has to prepare for their yeah. own circumstances. Yeah. Your circumstances are there's a lot of heat escaping from the top of your head because there's nothing there to keep it in. And Look, you're just I shivering up. away. No, I'm all right. Mind over matter. Mind over matter. Okay. I'll, I'll be fine. All I, right. I, I, I'm, I'm prepared mentally for this moment. I, I'm meeting cold with pressure. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be okay. Okay, well, but I'm prepared. I definitely woke up and I was like, oh, sunny 20, deg- uh, 20 degrees in the valley. This is a, a nice day. And I just threw on a T-shirt, rolled out. Look, it's preseason for me too, okay? And uh, next outdoor event we do, I'll, I'll be on top of it. But my goal is, like, we're here till 1 o'clock. Limit the shivers is, is basically just puck off the glass and out <laughs> and uh, limit the shivers. But I, I, I think I'll be all right. I'll be all right. All right. We're going to take a break. Uh, more Canucks interviews coming up. We are live from the Jake Milford Charity Invitational here, Norfolk Golf and Country Club. It is Canucks Talk, Sportsnet 650. Welcome back. This is Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. 50. I'm Jamie Dodd, joined by Bick Nazar today with Drancer, uh, still up in Penticton covering the Young Stars Tournament. And by the way, final game for the Canucks of the Young Stars Tournament going at 1 o'clock today. Uh, you will be able to hear that, of course, live here on Sports at 650 with uh, Brendan Batchelor on the call. 1.30? 1.30. 1.30, whatever. Well, our show goes to 1, and then there's some... I, I think we go to 1.30. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Wow, that's I, devastating. I, I'm pretty sure we go to 130. That is absolutely devastating. You were not prepared for no, the start. No, I really thought we were going to be off the air at 1. I'm choked. Cam Bear is looking at me. I'm extremely, extremely choked right now. <laughs> well, anyways, at 1.30, uh, Brendan Batchelor will have the call of the Canucks' final Young Stars game here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, live from the Mobile Kintec studio here at Norfew Golf and Country Club in Surrey. 650, 650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber, with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street or Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Um, you know, we were talking about it a little bit after uh, after our chat with Jack Rathbone, right, about one of the, the key training camp battles to watch when training camp gets going in Victoria later this week, obviously for that sixth defenseman spot in the lineup and you could extend it to you know if they carry seventh defenseman maybe the sixth and seventh i do think the veteran signing matt Irwin, has a bit of a leg up a leg up on the seventh defenseman spot and you know he's going to be in the mix for the sixth defenseman too don't get me wrong but i can see the logic of okay well maybe we'll keep the sixth spot open as finn joins us here uh table side bringing some treats for us as well. No, oh, no, no. They're just for Finn. Just, just showing just them off Finn, in yeah. front of us, but not actually going to share them with us. Just a tease. Devastating. Just a tease. Devastating. I thought Finn was dropping off some treats for us, but just up to his typical antics. Finn, uh, we, we've been asking some of the players, because uh, Rick Talkin made a big deal of Big Summer. What's a Big Summer like for Finn? Fishing? A lot of fishing. A lot of fishing. A lot of golfing. Yeah. A lot of sleeping. Sleeping. And partying. <laughs> That's some good dancing. That's some good dancing. So you in mid-season form or what? You ready to go? 
Yes, that's an affirmative. That's an affirmative from Finn. Thank you, Finn. Oh, look at him. Push-outs right now from Finn here. Finn is like the man here. He sat down with us earlier, and immediately, like, three people swooped in and started pulling him in different directions. In his element. He is in demand here at uh, at Northview Golf and Country Club. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks, Finn. It was nice to see you. Yeah, that's lovely. That's very lovely. We love uh, you, too. We love you, too. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure to be joined uh, by Finn here. Thanks, Finn. Love getting told to shave by Finn, by yeah. a mascot. Nothing better than that. Uh, and just like that, he's gone. Um, but, you know, as you said, we've been we've been talking a lot about, okay, who the big summer thing, yeah. right? And in light of thinking about the training camp battles, you know, who do you think most needed needed to have a big summer? Like, who can, you know, because it's one thing for talking to say everyone needs to have a big summer. And yeah, you want everyone to be really dialed in. And, you know, we heard Connor Garland talk about Quinn Hughes and his preparation and his intensity. But we also have a pretty high degree of confidence in what we're going to get from Quinn Hughes. Yeah, you want him to be having that type of summer, but it doesn't. it's not necessarily going to swing what we see from Quinn Hughes this year, but there's players farther down the roster where you look at it and think, okay, those guys might need to have a big summer just to claim a spot on the roster coming out of training camp. Yeah, the players where we feel like there's still something to be revealed about themselves, right? Look, for someone like Anthony Bovillier, like, yes, you need a big summer, right? But, like, this is someone that's an established NHLer. You yeah. kind of know what you're going to get from yeah. Anthony Bovillier. But, you know, right next to that is going to be, like, the Nils Hoaglanders, the Vasily Podkolzins. But if you're looking at the blue line, honestly, Kido Hirose. If, if you're ever looking for someone that can hit an upside, again, we're just basing off what we saw at the end of last year. But who's who's ahead of people in the depth chart right now? I, I think there's a, like, the interesting battle is is those five guys we mentioned. But if you're trying to project who's got the highest upside of the group, it's probably between Hirose and, and Rathbone. Yeah. And because Hirose's, like, stepped in and took the city by storm. Like, let's be real. <laughs> and I know it was, like, it was in a downtime, and maybe we sat back and we kind of overrated it. But whatever it is, that's someone that who's higher up in the depth chart than a couple of guys right now. And if there's still something to be unveiled for him and say, hey, look, Okay, this guy is taking a step, and what happened last year was real. It really cements what that third pairing is. Again, if he's legit. Now I know you know he's not here. He's doing the the, the young stars thing, but if he's legit and taking that step, that's really exciting. He's definitely going to be, I think, one of the most intriguing players to watch at training camp and in the preseason, right? Just to see, as you say, like, okay, was that was that a mirage that we just kind of read way too much into because mm-hmm. of the point of the year and what was left of the season and all that? Or and we were just so is excited. We're just so desperate for some good news. From some yeah. for some good news, right? And plus, you know, he has the personality and the kind of the incredible calmness and it's easy to kind of buy into that and all that. But was it legit, you know, to use your word? Like, is that a real thing that you can count on carrying over consistently in NHL games? Because as much as he might, you might think, okay, he has the inside track, you know, you look at what Christian Willanen has done mm-hmm. repeatedly in the in the AHL. Like, that's a guy who I think you have a very good idea. Uh, you know what you're going to get from him. So, yeah, Hirose might have the inside track. Very credible options in that 
for that uh, that that left left hand spot on the third pairing as well. And you know, if I was kind of handicapping it right now, I might give the favorite, favorite nod to Christian Willanen just for that reason, mm-hmm. just because he has a little bit of age and the experience and the track record at the pro level that Hirose doesn't quite have yet. But it's going to come down to you know, one thing that to look at is, hey, what role are we trying to fulfill? Like, I, I'm a big yeah. fan of Christian Willanen's game. Are you ready to put him out on the PK? Does Matt, no, but are you ready to put Akita Hirose out No, does, does Matt Irwin have an right. edge in that scenario, right? It's, it's not just this guy versus this guy. It's this guy's relative to the role that we want them to accomplish versus your peers. And that's where, again, you mentioned someone that's going to have a leg up in that spot. Veteran experience, long long time in the NHL. Yeah. And then just a, a pretty intelligent player and a feisty player in Matt Irwin. That's something that could keep him ahead of someone like Christian Lennon. If we're just stacking and say, okay, this guy's better than this guy, this guy's better than this guy, you'll be able to define that, I think, through preseason. But you do need to fulfill those roles, and that's something, you know, it, as, as much as the start is going to be a focus, PK is certainly going to be a focus as well at the beginning of the year and throughout the course of the year, and is that something that Matt Irwin is going to have a leg up on? Yeah, I mean, Matt Irwin... It feels like we've barely talked about him, but you know this is a guy who's played almost 500 games yeah. in the NHL, right? Like he is a veteran, experienced player, and if there's a if there's any debate about who's better when you're fighting for one of these roster spots, it's really easy to lean towards the veteran because you know what they're going to get, right? What they're going to get. I, I think you. from from fans' point of view, they would say play the young guy because mm-hmm. we don't know what the upside is. From a coach's point of view, it's always. The, the tiebreaker is always, well, who's played more games? Well, and what's the downside? Yes. Right? Because I think you know what the downside is in a good way with Matt Irwin. There's yeah. not this massive downside. Whereas even with Akito Hirose, yeah, we saw the cameo at the NHL level, but maybe a, there's still at the back of your mind like, oh, okay, but how much downside is there? Like, could the wheels come off at The some shroud point, of right? mystery over a rookie, yeah. basically. It's like, hey, yeah. it's, it's going well, but it could also, the wheels could fall off, and we just see what a young player looks like in the professional league, and you can get overrun a bit. But I want to, I just want to touch on Hirose again. Let's just say it's legit, okay? I, I still don't know if we're making a big enough deal of, wow, they just found a third-pairing guy who signed for two years at league minimum. Yeah. That's a big deal. Huge deal. If you're talking about someone that's going to play 65, 70 some odd games, either next year or whatever it is, at league minimum and, and play incredible minutes, that's a huge deal that we probably should be making more of a deal about. Again, if it's legit. Right. It looks so good at the end of last year. If it carries over into this year, suddenly that's that's tremendously exciting. You, you throw in, hey, they just found a, a 39 goal scorer for free. They now find a death D-man. Someone that's going to play games for you, not just the seventh guy on the lineup. We're not talking about, like, Oscar Fattenberg. It's like, oh, he's there, and sometimes he shows up. Someone that you look at and say, hey, this so guy You don't need to slander Oscar Fattenberg. I'm just saying, okay, there was a rotation of guys that came through. Yeah. Dirty Ban, whatever, however many names you want to mention. There was a rotation of guys. If you just say, hey, this guy's a, a real sixth D-man, fifth D-man, and if he needs to play up the lineup, he can do that at league minimum and just found it. Problem solved within the organization. That's a huge deal. Yeah, and, I mean, you want to be filling those kind of bottom-of-the-roster spots, I think, organizationally, right? And in this case, they did it by going out and signing an NCAA free agent. I think the goal is, in the long term or even in the medium term, that your pipeline is developed where you have that kind of constant 
flow of guys coming up that can step into those spots, right? And so you don't need to constantly be going into the summer thinking, okay, yeah, we have some bigger plans we want to we want to do, but then we also have to check the box of we got to go out and sign a third pairing defensive. We got to go out and sign a fourth line center. You want to be filling those with the guys coming through your organization consistently. Uh, Marcus and Gibson's text in, what if Myers is dealt earlier rather than later and we need two guys to fill out our third bear, third pair, possibly Will Landon and Hirose can make the team. I still don't see that as a realistic possibility. And I think one of the things you brought up is a big reason why. You said, you know, are you comfortable throwing out Christian Will Landon on the PK? Well, if you just go through it right now, who are going to be the key penalty killers on the blue line for the Canucks when they open the season? Obviously, Ian Cole and Carson Soucy, two of the big acquisitions this summer. Tyler Myers is going to be number three. You would think Quinn Hughes is in the mix well, as well. I'll put Philip Ronick in there as well. Like his his PK numbers when when put in that role uh, were pretty decent. Now it was it was secondary roles. It was, he's not the primary guy out there, but that's certainly someone you're going to look at. Like I, I think the main four are Susie Cole, Hronik Myers. Yeah, and then Hughes probably in spot duty. So, but like Myers, but like, is, a very good fifth spot duty. Myers is going to be a part of it, correct? Right, and if you take him out of the mix. Are you really comfortable with it being Susie, Cole, and then Hughes and Hronick having to shoulder that load in addition to the power play and even strength load that they're going to have to carry, right? So, like, I get why there's this fascination with, okay, the bonus has been paid, and is it finally time that they're going to trade Myers? But at this point, it's not like you're turning around and spending that cap space that you free up if you trade Tyler Myers on something really valuable. Like, he's more valuable to the team in the role that he can play and if you were to trade him, it opens up a massive, massive spot specifically on the penalty kill that you'd have to fill. And I'm not sure they have the internal options to fill it. I, I think we're going to get to game 50. And then then the intensity on the, all that sort of stuff is going to start to pick up. Yeah. Like, all right, they made it to February. Now teams have accrued cap space, all these things. Now the Canucks can retain half and all that sort of stuff. And it's not going to cost real cash an acquiring team very much. But I think you need to get to a stage where, hey, they have to fit $3 million in under the cap somehow still. So it, it's going to take some time. And I think you're also at a stage like, hey, look, we just handed a $5 million check. We want a little bit of return on investment on that. Let's get some value out of that. I, I, I would understand a team taking that position and be like, hey, let's at least get 50 games out of this. I just, I don't see the... Because at this stage of the season, we're not talking about, like, roster building. The roster's been built. Yes. We're talking about hockey on the ice. What's the on-ice case for trading Tyler Myers right now? It makes you worse as a team. Assuming you don't get back some sort of incredible return, which I don't think you are. Which if it was, then we would be talking, like, a different story. Exactly, yeah. right? But, like, you're you're worse as a hockey team. If, if you trade Tyler Myers for, you know, a sixth-round draft pick or something, you're worse as a hockey team right now. And I know that there is this... Um, there's this, and you know, this text comes in, which I was just about to say, really, you trust Myers on the PK, LMAO, he can easily be replaced by anybody. No, he can't. He cannot actually easily be replaced on the penalty kill right now, by anybody who comes up from the AHL. Internally, there's not a lot of candidates. Externally, yeah, like I'm with the texter. Like, externally, they're going to have to continue to solve this problem. And, like, the, I know you said the roster's built. The roster's built to play game one. The roster's not finished. That's the thing to remember. The roster is its still incomplete, I think, in the vision of Patrick Olivine and Jim Rutherford. So this is still an ongoing process. But as far as internal candidates right now to play game one versus Edmonton, they're just, they just don't exist. I, I just think if you – like, I get that Tyler Myers, because of his contract, there's a lot of people who feel like the texture. Like, he has no value. Oh, the team wouldn't miss him at all. It's just not true. 
It's just not true. In the right role, and especially on the PK, he can help this team. And if you think there's not going to be any drop-off whatsoever going from Tyler Myers to, you know, AHL call-up on the penalty kill, like on the penalty kill of all things, you're wrong. There is going to be a drop-off, and I think that's the biggest reason why any of this talk of trading Tyler Myers right now is very premature. And look, hey, maybe, as you said, game 50, you know, closer to the trade deadline, internally, some guys have taken those steps forward and, you know, they've been killing penalties in Abbotsford or you really like what you've seen defensively from them at the NHL level and you think, okay, we do have the confidence now to plug in a Akita Hirose on the PK. Maybe that happens, but you're a long, long ways away from that right now as we start this season. Just let me read the list of right-handed demon, not the guys that we think are going to play on the right side, just right-handed demon that are signed in the organization right now, okay? Philip Ronick, Tyler Myers, Noah Julson. I, I got down the list pretty fast, mm-hmm. didn't I? That's what, like, Cole McWard, Philip Johansson. What other, like, like Tucker Pullman's don't know that scenario, Jet Wu. It's like, who are you trusting to make this step, this leap that's currently resided by Tyler Myers? Yeah. I, I don't see it. And this one says, Steve from White Rock, why are we worried about losing Myers from our historically bad PK? He's a no, He's not a good defenseman. If you get anything for him, I take it ASAP. But, but why I, do it I, now? I don't, think, I don't think that opportunity is presented to you right now. Well, that's the thing. But yes. why Why the rush to do it now? Like, what do you gain from doing it now? That's what I can't understand. Mm-hmm. If this was June 30th and you were freeing up money in free agency, that's great. Hey, you've got all this extra money to play with. That's amazing. Okay, yeah, sure. I get that. What are you doing with the cap space right now that's going to make your team better? And if the idea is it's addition by subtraction, again, sorry, I just don't buy that. Uh, whatsoever right now for the Vancouver Canucks with the place they're in. Yeah, there's options. There's some interesting young defensemen who are going to play in Abbotsford who might be on the fringes of the roster here. But expecting them to step up and play the type of PK minutes, like, do you want, you know, Jet Wu or Noah Juleson going out there against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on the first, in the first two games of the season on the PK? That's a really, really difficult, really, really difficult uh, assignment. And, and, and plus, suddenly... I think the benefit is not just, hey, we, we paid X amount of dollars and we want X amount of games now. The benefit of hanging on to him until January is Philip Johansson, what are you doing in the AHL? Yep. Cole McWard, what are you doing in the AHL? Because we are going to need a succession plan at some point. And everyone that's texting in, like, you're, you're right. Everyone that's texting in, like, we get it. You're right. You're, you're, you're exhausted. You're fatigued by seeing the same issues on the PK reintroduce themselves. But you have to give the, the next guys opportunities to work on that craft and develop those skills. So if you're in the AHL right now, you're Noah Juleson, you're Jet Wu, Jet Wu Philip Johansson. That's what your whole MO should be right now in the AHL. Prove that you are the succession plan. And come January, here's 50 games that you get to work on it. Come January, are you ready to take over? And that's when it gets interesting. Uh, Steve from White... <laughs> Steve from White Rock texts in. Not sure why there's so much obsession about keeping a terrible hockey player. He's not good. It's that simple. Take anything you can get. He's been here for years, and now you're saying he can help on the PK elsewhere. Uh, we need to fill his spot with someone who will be here next year. That's Steve from White Rock. And I, hey, I, can I pause? For, yeah, that's okay. why I'm cracking up and why uh, you heard something. Quinn Hughes just drove the golf cart real close to our booth and just did a blah, 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 blah. <laughs> that was iconic. That was well done. Quinn Hughes, 
he's he's uh, he's living his best take, life right now. Taking the charge the right now. He's oh, you know he's 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 uh, that was great. He's doing a solid for his teammates and getting some chirps in at the media. He's living his best oh, life. Right. That was very, very good. That was strong. Good stuff from Quinn Hughes. But to that text from Steve from White Rock, I can understand the mentality of, okay, let's try to get somebody these minutes who's going to be a part uh, here long-term, right? Because Tyler Myers, pending UFA, you know, he's not a part of the long-term plans here, we don't think. I can understand that mentality, but that's not where the team is, right? The team's trying to compete for a playoff spot. They're not. They're not thinking, okay, hey, who can we plug in on the third pair to develop them for two or three years down the road? They're thinking, who can we play in the third pair who's going to help us win games to make the playoffs, right? It's Have not about start. It's not about can we use these NHL minutes to develop, you know, Jet Wu so he's going to be really good for us in three years. You might wish it, that's what it was about, but it's not about that this year. And again, when you look at it through that lens – of the right shot defensemen in the system, who are the guys who are most credible to help you win games right now? Tyler Myers is clearly in the top three, clearly in a position to be on in your lineup. 650-650, you don't think they will pick somebody up on waiver on the waiver wire before the season with extra money freed up from the Myers that would place on the cheaper? Well, that opportunity has not presented itself right now, right? Like, you still have to go through it. But also, like, like well, I, 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 oh, but, oh, but what's the obsession? Uh, this is what I can't understand. What's the obsession with the cheapness now? There's no benefit Replacing Tyler Myers right. with somebody with a two million dollar cap it doesn't actually help you. To, like, to, yeah, to utilize the four million dollars, like the four million dollar player isn't available. With right what? Now. Yeah. yeah, like I don't understand the obsession with the cheapness right now. Yes, going into the summer, that that matters. And like, okay, maybe you can say, well, you know, they get below LTI and they start tolling cap space, but that, like, that's getting really far ahead of yourselves. The idea that you should be so motivated to get off that salary cap now that you are willing to take. A hit on the ice? I, I, I just don't see it. And I think we're so used to viewing Tyler Myers. Somebody texted in. This is from Owen. The only problem with Tyler Myers is that he's paid too much. He's still an NHL defenseman. We're so used to viewing Tyler Myers through the lens of his salary, which is fair. It's a hard cap league. Like, a player's salary matters. But in this moment in time, his salary is not the most important thing about him. His cap hit is not the most important thing about him. That's a change, and I think it's hard for people to but like, adjust. Yeah. But that's the reality right now. You've been through the thresher of it all, and now you're at the back end. It's like you kind of do have to frame your perspective of it that now it's just about 50 games, 82 games. That's really all it's about. Yeah. And are you a capable guy in the minutes that you're going to be playing? And honestly, it might be 16 minutes a night, 17 minutes a night. It might be very decreased for Tyler Myers. And that's what I do think he will. I do think we'll see the best version of Tyler Myers because it's. it's because guys have jumped him on the depth chart. That's. Yep. In a in a third pairing, I do think you'll see the best version of it. And, and then you'll maybe look back and say, whoa, how come we didn't see this version? Well, it's like you're playing against different competition all of a sudden. All these different things open up. Now, you can still complain about the, the, the contract, as, as people like to do, because they view it through the lens of it. But I, I do think you'll see the best version of Tyler Myers. If, I think, if anything, people should view it as like, we don't have to worry about the contract anymore. Yeah. The, con- <laughs> the contract has done its damage. It, it's and almost, that's in the, it's almost in the past at this point. I, I might even argue that now it's it's actually an asset at this stage. Because you're going to use it to flip it, and it's again. If if you wait till like February, near March, it's really only going to cost a team 100 grand. Yeah. If you retain, it's nothing. And I do think teams will suddenly be looking at it and saying, "Hey, this guy who can play, who's got the physical capabilities to play 23 minutes, is only going to cost us 100 grand. Three million on the cap, sure, if you retain, but 100 grand." 
I think there's going to be some sneaky value for Tyler Myers come February. Glenn and Richmond text in along that point. Myers' trade value rises as the year goes on. His appetite to be traded. That's another thing, right? There's, he has a, a partial no-move mm-hmm. clause, so it's a, or no-trade clause, so it's not just a, a matter of the team deciding to trade him. His appetite to be traded rises as the season goes on. His stock could not be lower than it is now. Uh, we have no replacement right now, and then he sarcastically says, but yeah, definitely trade him now. And that's a huge part of this. Yeah, I get, like... I, I, some part of me understands the desire to get ahead of it and, oh, just trade him now. But you would, why do a deal that's potentially getting you no return or is really difficult, maybe you're taking bad money back, when there's the potential in February to maybe get a real asset in return for Tyler Myers? Because this is still a veteran, very large NHL right-shot defenseman who's also like universally respected as a good guy, good in the dressing room. Those are the types of players that have value at the trade deadline, especially when the fight with the financial situation that you laid out, where the actual dollars being paid would be very, very minimal. It's also a situation where maybe Tyler Myers is more amenable to trades, right? Because he looks at it as a chance to go compete in the Stanley Cup playoffs, depending on where the Canucks are. So, again, if you can just exercise a little patience, I think it helps the team now on the ice, but it also sets you up to actually make a way more impactful trade uh, down the line in February when things should look a lot differently than they do now. Uh, tons and tons of Tyler Myers text here actually, can I just say coming into the inbox. Yeah, Just reading all the text coming in? Can I just say, we are so back, man. We are so back. <laughs> this this event is usually the unofficial start, and yeah. all the listeners know it, too. There are so many people texting in right now to the inbox for about Tyler Myers. I was like, welcome back. We are so back getting ready for this season. I'm fired up. We really got the inbox popping off with some Tyler Myers. But there's talk. a lot of people that like I haven't heard from in months. It's like, you are back. <laughs> you, you all had big summers, and you're bringing it in the inbox We right are now? so back. It is excellent. I, I, I'm heating up from the takes in the inbox right now. All right. We will take a break. Uh, lots more hot takes coming up. Plus, you'll hear uh, from some more Canucks as they go Ian around Cole the course the here. Yeah, we'll hear from Ian Cole uh, on the other side. It is uh, We are live at the Jake Milford Charity Invitational here. Canucks Talk, Sportsnet 650.